The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Bibles, And let's read God's Word. So we are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to read the whole of the chapter, and um, then we're going to go to verse 4. Um, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. And by these trials, he means the persecution that they were facing at the time. For you, you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come. To us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And then chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. I just want to come back to verse 9 in chapter 3. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God, in the presence of our God because of you? I just want you to close your eyes for a moment and think about someone you love. This is not just someone that you love, but you love them dearly. Could be a friend, could be a sibling, a niece or a nephew, a child, a spouse, a parent. But you love this person so much that if something were to happen to them, you would be devastated. Think about how you show love to this person. What kinds of things do you do for them? 
What kinds of things do you do with them? What lengths do you go to to show them care and concern? Now I want you to think about someone who has shown you love. It could be a friend, a parent, a sibling, a niece, a nephew, a child, a spouse. Well, your spouse, not a spouse. (laughs) Or a spouse. Think about how this person has shown you love. What kinds of things have they done for you, with you? What lengths do they go to to show their care and concern for you? How has their love made you feel? Now, you can open your eyes. If we can call even one person to mind from each of these scenarios that I've mentioned, we get some idea of the kind of love and the relationship that Paul and Silas and Timothy had for the Thessalonians. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at growing and how we can grow in our um, identity as those who are loved by God and, and chosen by him, and how we can grow in our authenticity as followers of Christ, and how we can grow in our resilience so we can be firmly established in our faith. Well, this week, we're gonna try and look at how we can grow in our love. You might ask, well, Why is it necessary for us to, why is it important or necessary for us to grow in our love? Isn't it just enough to love? Because Jesus said we should love. Do we need to keep growing in our love? Well, firstly, as a church, I want to commend you, each of you, because you are a very loving church and you show love in many, many ways. And I think part of that we owe to Pastor Bert and Sister June because they modeled that love and they built this place with love. But Jesus is our ultimate example and he's our standard. And that's why we need to keep growing in love. That's why we need to keep working in our love for each other. So... Why do we need to grow in love? Because Jesus commanded it and he lived it. If we go to John 13, chapter um, chapter 13 and verse 34, um, the verse says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Love one another, full stop, as I have loved you, you must love one another. That's incredible. Then the Apostle John reinforces Jesus' words in 1 John chapter 2 and from verse 3 to 6. He says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. 
Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. There's another reason. Loving each other and growing in our love for each other is proof that somehow we know God and we're connected to God. Then the Apostle Paul reinforces that even some more and adds weight um, in that famous passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now we'll come back to that um, and we'll sit with that a little bit. But he describes all the things that love should be and that love is indispensable. It's not an option if we claim that we are God's children. Growing in love makes us imitators of Jesus. And Jesus is the exact representation of God. So Paul already mentions this in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 1. Um, He says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, and you became a model to all the believers. See, because God the Father loved us, and so he sent Jesus. Because Jesus loved God the Father, he was obedient to all that God the Father asked him to do. And so if we claim that we love God the Father and his son Jesus, then we must show love the same way that we have been shown love. And the only way that we can do this, because we can't do it on our own, but the only way that we can do this is through the work of God the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so if we go back to 1 John and chapter 4, I mean, John's whole book is just about this. He says the same thing in so many different ways. But he says in chapter 4 from verse 7, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. There we go again. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is like... How much wood would a woodchuck chuck? Because a woodchuck could chuck wood. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. So why do we need to grow in love? Firstly, because Jesus commanded it and the apostles have reinforced it time and time again. And growing makes us look more like Jesus and be a reflection of his family. And growing in love compels us to look outward. Love is not selfish. It's not self-seeking and it's not self-centered. True love, that is. And again, Paul mentions this in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 8. He said, the Lord's message rang out from you. 
Your faith in God has become known everywhere. And in chapter 4, like we read in verse 10, in fact, you do love all of God's people throughout Macedonia. Now, I've not been to Macedonia yet, but it is or must be a big place. So how can we grow in our love for each other and, and for those around us? Not just the people that are close to us. Well, Paul gives us a couple of clues again. And he says, first, we can grow in our love by showing concern. So that's what we learn from our passage today, that we need to have concern for each other's faith. Not just concern for each other, but really concerns for each other's faith in Jesus Christ. And secondly, by going over the top and being really extra with our love, extra in a good way. I'll come to that too. So concern for one another's faith. What does that mean? Well, as we see in this passage, Paul's main concern was that these Thessalonians will be presented blameless and holy, the presence of God the Father when he comes with all his holy ones, when Jesus comes with all his holy ones. That's the ultimate goal. That's why we're concerned, not because we want to be sticky beaks and tell people what to do, or judge people, it's because we really want them to be there. And, and this is what inspired and motivated Paul and Silas and Timothy, wherever they went to preach the gospel, not just in Thessalonica. And so Paul's concern was, these, was that these Thessalonians wouldn't just stay baby Christians or even grow up to be teenagers, but they would become fully mature adults, firmly standing in the Lord. And that's why he says in verse 10 of chapter 3 that he was really keen to come back and spend time with them because he wanted to supply what was lacking in their faith. And what he means by that is he wanted to disciple them. He wanted ongoing discipleship to take place so that he could see them grow and that they wouldn't just live through the persecutions that they've managed to endure, but they would continue. And at the end, that they would be there with all the saints. So what did Paul do with his concern? He wasn't just concerned. What did he do about it? Well, firstly, he prayed. We see that in chapter 1. We see that in chapter 3, like we read. We see that in chapter 5. He prayed for them and he really trusted and relied on God, the Father, Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's work in their lives to be able to sustain them through the persecution, to be able to strengthen their hearts. We see that between verses 10 and 13 in chapter 3 because Paul and Silas and Timothy couldn't be there physically to care for them. And so they, they prayed They didn't just pray for their immediate need, which they did, but it was beyond that. Sustained prayer. He says, we pray day and night. We constantly pray for you. We remember you in our prayers. It wasn't just a one-off thing. And the second way that Paul's concern showed itself is that poor Timothy got sent to check on these people. Now, Tim was a very, very integral part of the outreach team. 
wherever they went. He was a co-worker. He was a laborer in the gospel. And yet, he drew the short straw, and at risk of his life, because there was persecution happening, so there was no guarantee that he was, might make it back, he went so that he could encourage them and strengthen their faith and check on them. So they didn't just pray, but it flowed into action. The concern flowed into action. So that's the first way. Their love for the Thessalonians developed into concern, which developed into action. And that's the first way that we can grow in our love, that we can pray for each other. We can pray for those around us in our communities, in our schools, in our families. And then we can do something about it. Not just pray, but do something about it. And the second way that we can grow in love is by showing over-the-top love, bottomless, and a little bit extra. Now, I had to find out from, from my kids exactly the context of how I can use this word extra, because it's not like diva extra, you know, where it's like, oh my gosh, it's a bit extra. No, it's like extravagant extra, extraordinary extra. Generous, extra helping of ice cream extra. That kind of extra. That's the over-the-top love that we want to be growing in. Because if we see Paul's prayer in verse 12 of chapter 3, is that may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. Not just increase to the full, but overflow. And then in verse you know, 9 and 10 of chapter 4, he's saying you have been taught by God himself how to love. That's a big call. But he's saying, but I urge you to grow in that more and more. That's a big call too. And the interesting thing here is that Paul doesn't seem to give many specifics of how to do that. Like I said, in 1 Corinthians, in the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, he was very specific on how to do that. And so let's have a look at that, and that might be a bit helpful for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're looking particularly at verses 4 to 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Oops. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Interesting thing to note. When he starts off, he just says, love is, love is. Then he goes on, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do this. And then it says, it always does this, and it always does this. And then, before he drops the mic, he says, it never does this. Now, I look at this list, and I'm always overwhelmed when I read this list. So I don't read it very often. (laughs) Because it's just, it's too hard. It's like, God, this is just too hard. 
But when I look at this list, and you might feel that way too, when I look at this list and I think, well, but this is how you want me to love people, because it's no point if I'm prophesying or if I'm speaking in tongues or if I'm you know, doing all these things for God, if I don't have love, it means nothing. That's what he says. And he says all these other things will, won't last, but love prevails. And so, you know, how do we grow in this? It's with the help of the Holy Spirit. It really is. We can't do it on our own. And interestingly, if we look at a passage in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, you know, he's talking a lot about walking in step with the Spirit and the Spirit living in us and producing character and good fruit in us. That's the only way that we can love like this. And I want to give us a caution Let's not try and live up to this list in our own strength because we feel guilty or because we feel that that's one way that we can earn favor with God and with people because we will fail, we will mess up and we'll get it wrong. The only way we can do this is with the help of the Holy Spirit and if the Holy Spirit is keeping our motives in check, why do we want to grow in love? because we want to be like Jesus, because we want to encourage each other to run the distance. And I did a little bit, yeah, did a little bit of a comparison with the list. And if you look at it, if we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit being displayed in our lives, through his work and through his patience and through his encouragement in us, then we can love that way. We're never going to be perfect, but we will grow in our love for each other and we will be able to love a little bit more like this most of the time. So, as we think about what Paul's telling us today. We can see that growing in love is not negotiable. If we want to be imitators of Jesus, it's not an option. And we can see how Paul, Silas, and Timothy set an example for us in how we are to love one another. By being concerned for each other's faith, praying that we would be able to be presented blameless and and holy before our Lord Jesus and how we can grow in our love for each other practically. So let me ask you as we reflect and as we think about how we can apply this in our lives, Do we think that this responsibility of concern and prayer is just limited to the leaders of a church or our connect group leaders or the Sunday school teachers 
our youth leaders? Or is it our responsibility for each other? If we look at Thessalonians, Paul's telling the Thessalonians that he's concerned for them, but he wants all of them to be presented together. I don't think we can leave it just up to the leaders to do that. Because if we really care about people finishing the race with us and standing with us before Jesus, then we can't afford just to leave it to a few. What kinds of risks and sacrifices are we willing to take and make so that we can nurture each other's faith in Jesus? Are we willing to invest our time to encourage one another with scriptures, with letters, with texts, with phone calls, with visits? We don't have to do all of that, but we can do some of that. And then let's have a look at this list. Which of these things is the Holy Spirit speaking to you even right now? Which of those words or those phrases stand out to you as an area of growth? Is our love focused on what we can get or what we can give? As we come to a close, I just want you to sit with these thoughts and I want you to go back to the beginning when I asked you to think of a person that you loved deeply. Would you say that you loved them deeply enough that you would die for them? Because like Ed so beautifully shared over communion, for those of us who say that we're followers of Jesus Christ, the depth of love that we have known and received from Jesus will be the measure of the love that we can give out. We can only love generously because we are loved extravagantly. Do we understand how much we are loved? We might not always feel that love, but can we see it? Can we understand it? And when we were thinking of the person who has loved us so deeply and made us feel loved, can we say confidently that that person would demonstrate their love to the point of death for us? Would they really die for us? Well, I don't know who you were thinking about and who you thought of, but I don't know anybody that's died for me other than Jesus.
nobody's even come close. And I encourage you, if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're exploring and seeing who Jesus is, continue to explore and find out more about Jesus and how he has demonstrated his bottomless, limitless love for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that is a very lavish, extravagant, extraordinary love. We are here because of your love for us. And we'll never be able to repay you. But you call us to grow in our love for each other because your love compels us to grow in love. Father, I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you. Will you express and minister your love to them through us and through the power of your Holy Spirit? May they know the Spirit of Jesus. In the love that they might experience from this place. Lord, I pray for us that you would help us grow in your love. Lord, like Paul prayed... May you make our love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as yours does for us. May you strengthen our hearts so that you will, we will be blameless and holy in your presence when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. just sit in God's presence just for a moment receive his love and ask him one thing that you can do this week that will help you grow in your love for others
let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.